Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, August 4th, 2021, and this is episode 172. I am not going to sugarcoat how excited I am about this one for even a second. Episode 172 features two-time Grammy Award-winning DJ, producer, label head, and all-around good guy, Sid. I have been following Sid for over seven years and am genuinely a massive fan. I'm truly honored to have this legend on the show, and it was a blast getting his full story. In episode 172, we got it all in, and we started by talking about his early inspirations and influences. Born and raised in Queens, New York, Carlos is the youngest of three brothers and has always had a passion for music. New York City's rich music and dance culture played a huge role in him finding his way to becoming a DJ and eventually made the jump to pursuing production. In 2006, he sent a record to Marcus Scholes and got his first track signed on Cold Harbor Recordings. He hasn't looked back since. We of course talked about the Sid discography. We took a sonic journey through Sid's incredible catalog of originals, remixes, and collaborations over the years, and we got the full scoop on his creative process and how his sound has evolved since day one. We ran through how some of his biggest hits came together, like Jumpin' with West End, Us with Cascade, Fever with Don Diablo, and solo releases such as Believer featuring CeeLo Green, Downstairs, and of course, his Grammy Award-winning remix of Lizzo's Truth Hurts. Can I get a sheesh? I also loved talking to him about his label, Night Service Only. In June 2019, Sid launched his new label, Night Service Only, with only one goal in mind, release club bangers. He's given a massive platform to talented artists like Jay Wara, Chapter and Verse, Black V-Neck, Moose, Cloverdale, and so many more. We had a great discussion on his long-term vision for the label and what he looks for in demos. Quotes, I won't sign it unless I would play it. I'd like to say he's doing a pretty damn good job so far. Sid is on fire right now and is fresh off a massive Lollapalooza set. And I got to tell you, I made sure we got there. He absolutely delivered. What an incredible live act he is. So much good house music. And, of course, his new track called Honey with Volkater out on Musical Freedom. So, so good. It's truly incredible to see him continue to grow on all levels, but also bring others along on this crazy ride with him. Big things for 2021 and beyond. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making some time and coming on the show. One of the biggest and best interviews yet. I can't wait to meet you in person someday soon, and I'm looking forward to hearing some new night service only releases. Now, enough of me talking. Let's get into this right now so you can hear a story for yourselves. This is episode 172 with Sid. Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very, very special episode of Sherman the Booth. We've got one of my biggest inspirations here on many, many levels, label head, DJ, producer, Grammy Award winner. Sid is on right now, my man. How the hell are you? What's going on? How you doing? I'm good. Great to be on the show. Thank you so much for making the time. I got to give you a cheers. It's an honor. Damn, I didn't bring... Do I have to go get a drink? I mean, if you'd like to. No, I'm good. I'm good. 
I got a lot of shit to do after this. No, not today. I'm, I had enough to. I had enough to drink this weekend. Yeah, had enough to drink this weekend. Well, we might. I was recording when we were talking about our hangover cures, but I'm sure everybody else here listening is is resonating with the fact that we all are dealing with bad, bad hangovers these days. Oh yeah, all so happy to see each other. Exactly. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. You got to do a shot with everyone you haven't taken a shot with (laughs) in the last last year. They add up. They do add up, and that's the funny thing about shots is like the pregame to me. It's always been my favorite part of a party. I like getting to the party, but once you're drunk, you're drunk. You don't need to keep drinking, but it's just like everyone signs this unwritten contract together. That moment that y'all cheers and you take the shot, it's lukewarm tequila. You got no chaser. Nobody's happy about it, but fuck it. We're all in this together. 100%. Yep. <laughs> 100%, man. Um, like I said, you are such an inspiration for me and so many people that have been on the podcast that watch the podcast. So I know there's going to be a lot of people out there that are, interested to hear what you got to say i got a lot of awesome questions for you but i always like to start off the interview with something that might intrigue you and i think you're gonna like this one you ready i'm ready now you're a true new yorker queens new york where where in queens exactly do you say you're from again little neck little neck yes okay and his dad has owned an italian restaurant well i'm sorry spanish Spanish. restaurant spanish Spanish. restaurant not italian spanish restaurant i am talking to carlos sid right now excuse me 40 years (laughs) We got to give a shout out to it. What's it called? Marbella. Marbella restaurant. Marbella. I love it. Ooh, I got a good little roll of the R right there. It's been a little while. Marbella. That's it. <laughs> but you're Marbella for you, uh, for you Americans out there. <laughs> Marbella. <laughs> Marbella. <laughs> you sounded like Brad Pitt and Glorious Bastards right there. <laughs> <laughs> Gorlami. Yeah, Marbella. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Marbella. But you've been in the music game for a long time, and I know you've been to a lot of concerts. You've DJed so many different venues. What is your favorite music venue in New York City that's no longer around? Uh, Pasha. I'd say Pasha. That's kind of where I think when I started clubbing, that was definitely the place that was the place to go. And they had a real community. You know, that I mm-hmm. think that's what made it special is – Obviously, Rob Fernandez was one of the, he was like the head promoter and, and he ran it with Eddie Dean. Um, but they like always cultivated this, this community of friends. So like, that's what was so cool about it is uh, every weekend you'd go and you'd see the same people there. Like, I love that place. Um, yeah, I'd say Pashtun. What was the first club you ever went to then? Uh, fuck, I don't know. I mean, the first club probably... I mean, New York was so strict, and I, I didn't bother trying to get any shitty fake IDs. Yeah, uh, for sure. In high school, I just went to bars and, like, <laughs> really shitty bars. Um, <laughs> probably the first club I went to, maybe I was, like, 17 or 18, but it was in Spain. Okay. Um, it was this place called Zoo, and I went, and it was Chus was playing. From oh, Houston, Ceballos. Of course. Like, yeah. So I would. that was definitely my first club experience. And then, I don't know, I think maybe, yeah, either Pasha or, well, actually, not club experience, but I think around that time, Paul Van Dyke Central Park was, like, crazy, oh, man. crazy experience. In the rain, like, it was insane. Uh, and then, yeah, it was just Pasha. I think Spirit. 
was maybe a little before that, around that time. There's another club. Yeah, those are five of my earliest like, like club experiences. Oh, I'm sure those stories are going to resonate with a lot of New Yorkers out there, man. I mean, Pacha is a globally known yeah. name, and there are so many places, not just New York, but all around the world that have closed over the past year. And yeah. it's it's very sad. So I've, I've been yeah. asking that question to people I know that are OGs in their own city. Asked that question to Danny Deal, a true Chicagoan, and she brought up places that have been closed for a long time and some that just closed recently. And I know just like as a DJ, usually you're exposed to the DJ culture, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. I know some of yeah. my favorite experiences are at clubs that are no longer around. So I love that. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Yeah, man. What was it like growing up in New York City, though? Because it's such a rich culture of so many different types of people. I mean, it's a melting pot, obviously. It's one of the largest cities in the world, largest city in the U.S. Must have been pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm obviously just surrounded by so many different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, so musically, just exposed to so many different genres of music. I have two yeah. older brothers. My oldest brother's 10 years older than me. Okay. My middle okay. brother's eight years older than me. So oh, wow. I grew up listening to everything. My older brother was more like a you know, alt rock kind of guy, but then listened to all types of different stuff. And then my other brother was like, went through like a graffiti and like 90s hip hop phase. So even when <laughs> I was super young, I was, you know, I think the first CD I bought was Coolio Gangster's Paradise. Nice. I, um, I, so I, yeah. And then obviously, you know, my dad having a Spanish restaurant, um, they would do like private parties there. They would be all Latin music. So even when I first started DJing, I was doing, I kind of took over doing those private parties. They would book me. And so I like, I, for a while I was an encyclopedia, like whatever country, because every kind of Spanish, uh, Latin American country has their own, you know, sub genre or, you know, version of that genre that they oh, really sure. like. So, you know, I, I still have my old laptop that I had Serato on that I had all so much music. And it was uh, so I learned a lot about Latin music. Um, and yeah, just always different, different genres. And it was really through the DJ that I got into house music. I mean, my brothers were probably the more commercial stuff, somewhat um, aware of what's going on. So then I was, but it wasn't one until I started kind of DJing and I got interested in dance music and and started buying records and that's when i kind of transitioned to dance so were you a what i really liked. yeah like for fun i mean it's not like i was yeah. getting booked to go play vinyl sets at fucking you know 14 15 but you truly loved it though yeah yeah exactly so yeah i mean i threw these mobile parties i bought techniques and um hell yeah and yeah so that that was kind of my start for sure Vinyl DJ life is so interesting to me, man. Like I actually now am more into vinyl. It's funny how it's made a resurgence. Like I literally have my dad's Michael Jackson thriller on the needle right now. I have like my mom's Bruce Springsteen, Fleetwood Mac, and it's made me appreciate music in a lot of different way. And I asked, have you heard of Ghetto Blaster before? Yeah. They, they're from Detroit and Chicago and they started off by working in record stores and they told me this hilarious story about when they worked in the record stores and like a very unique like Chicago house music or Detroit techno song would come in they'd buy all 30 copies white them out 
DJ them. People would try and ask what the tracks are and they wouldn't give it out. And that's not something that happened these days. And I feel like there's a real yeah. tangible aspect to being starting as a vinyl DJ, bringing those around to gigs. I mean, you had to make the selection before you went. Yeah, it was. In, I think that's where I kind of started developing my taste, you know, mm -hmm. because uh, it was this place in Flushing. I would take the bus to like once a week or once every two weeks um, mm -hmm. when I was super young. And I, I went in there not literally 14, 15 years old. And I there was this one guy who was the guy was from Trinidad named Roger Ugly. He was Roger a DJ. Ugly. <laughs> Roger Ugly. He was a uh, this yeah it was this guy was a character but he was a you know the guy who, who sold all the records and i would go and he would just play me different stuff like i didn't know what was what people were playing to me this was like my way of being like oh what's well, you know what's working so every week he was like oh yeah people were like these are like the records that people are after i maybe had enough money to buy one you yeah. know or two records <laughs> they were like 15 bucks yeah. um so yeah it was that was what it was for me and then i'd go home i'd have like two records and I'd mix it like as many for like hours with whatever other records I had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a different thing, you know, uh, than just going on Beatport and looking at, you know, the top 100 chart or whatever, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's crazy. So where did you, we mentioned before we went on air, like you went to college, you were obviously DJing before and, and during this time, when yeah. did you actually start producing or when did you like make that actual move that I'm going to do something of this? Um, so my older brother was way more musical than I, you know, self-taught, he played, we had a drum set growing up. So I was on, when he wasn't home, I'd, you know, mess around with his drums. Nice. Uh, and he always had keyboards. So I would, and like, yeah, this like really shitty drum machine. Um, so I was literally, I mean, he was maybe 16, I was six, seven, and I would just be like, fuck around with this shit when he wasn't home. Um, and then he went to, yeah, so we didn't have, I mean, fuck, we didn't have a computer at that time. Um, my brother went to college, came home and then had like this to just like open up. This one around Napster time. Yeah. Um, so he had all this shit on his computer and I think maybe he had a reason on his computer. Um, so I kind of would just started dabbling and then you know i finally got my own computer at like whatever 13 uh or 12 oh fuck <laughs> i thought i was a nice man. yeah whatever it does, it's just back. crazy to think about now that yeah, like everyone yeah. has a computer but um yeah so i just i just had reason and i just started messing around and i think i really got into it my senior of high school into my freshman year of college and i was just you know just messing around and trying to learn um and i think it was i want to say my junior year of college that i like unlocked the next level like mm -hmm. and it was literally i was like oh how do you i was reading an article on a freaking magazine about side chaining and i was, I was like what the fuck is side chaining <laughs> and uh, again like you know you right now you go to any website you can get a template on how to make all this shit, but it was yeah. different, uh, you know. So that same week that I figured out what sidechain was, I finished the song and I sent it to Marcus Schultz. Um, and four weeks later, I get an email back and Marcus Schultz was like, "Holy shit, this song is incredible! <laughs> I want to sign it." And I was like, 
this is some like April Fool's joke. <laughs> yeah. So I just replied. I was like, okay, if this is really Marcus, I was like, give me a call. And at the time I was, I was really into global DJ broadcast, mm-hmm. which was his radio show. Right. You know, uh, the big ones back then were obviously Armin's show. Yeah. Uh, above and Beyond's show and uh, global DJ broadcast, right. Marcus Schultz's show. And he calls me. He's like, yeah, man, like I want to sign this. I was like, well, do I need to like master it or like, what do I, what <laughs> I literally, no, not kidding, dude. It was just like done limited with whatever the fuck was in reason. And, and he's like, no, it's good. Just send it. I was like, okay. And I sent a master to him. And a couple of weeks later, I got a contract from Armada because that was where uh, Cold Harbor was distributed through. Mm-hmm. And he signed it. And it came out on his Ibiza 06 compilation. Wow. Yeah. And they pressed it to vinyl too, which is really cool. They did like a little sampler and it was one of the tracks on there. And that was the moment I was like, yep, yeah, this is what I want to do. And yeah. uh, I was going, I was in Hofstra. I was studying accounting and I ended up, I graduated. I finished with a degree in accounting. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I remember just at the, my senior year, my friends were like, hey man, are you going to apply for any jobs? I was like, no. <laughs> you know, I was lucky where I was, you know, DJing on weekends, making decent money. I was yeah. like, I'm going to just do that on the weekends and, and focus on music. So that was, I think, my introduction to music and to being like, this is, this is it. For me. Like, this is what I do. Unbelievable, man. I think a lot of people can probably relate with that story. Go to mm-hmm. college, especially our generation too. You go to college, you end up doing something completely the opposite. Who you are, yeah. your freshman year, senior year, going into fre- your freshman year is really, yeah. I mean, I don't want to assume for everybody, but not the same person that you'll be. College to me is a great learning experience, but yeah, it's a huge independent experience for you to really find your true self and see maybe who you're not. That was kind of the yeah. experience that I ended up having. Mm. And I came to Chicago. I started DJing in college and I got the bug and I was like, I got to get to Chicago. I'm going to do whatever I can to find opportunities. And that's actually why I started the podcast. It was really mm-hmm. hard to break into the scene here. It's just like an Indiana boy. And I started the podcast so I can make myself known. And it sounds like you just like took your shot, you shot your shots and I did the same thing. So I, I know. What yeah, you exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, I literally, why did I do accounting? I asked my older brother, I was like, well, what should I study? He's like, oh, accounting's in demand. Go study that. I was like, sounds good. Okay. I, you know, yeah, I was like, all right, sounds good. Let's do it. I mean, literally every moment I wasn't either in school or partying, I was just working on music. Um, I'm surprised I passed, but <laughs> I finished it. I did. Hofstra grad right here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Alumnus. <laughs> yep. They should have you come DJ like their uh, 20 year reunion or something. <laughs> no way. They can't um, afford you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Appreciate you sharing that time in your life, man. That's awesome. Is your, is your family still obviously support you? They've always been there for you and everything. And yeah. You, you know, obviously, you know, my, we have a, my dad's restaurant is, is uh, really important to our family and stuff. But my yeah. dad said, you know, my brothers both have corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. My older brothers in, in finance. Uh, my middle brother is a head of a creative advertising firm, like really very creative person too. But yeah. you know, they they're both older, so they were able to be 
go be successful at their jobs. I, I was kind of the last one yeah. to see if, you know, maybe I'd take over the restaurant. And my dad said, you know, um, my dad has a master's in chemical engineering and he's, you know, one of, he was really successful in the restaurant business, but mm-hmm. you know, he, he said to me, he's like, you know, I, I always have that, um, uh, what's the word like, uh, regret of not following what he his passion of, you know, chemical engineering or what he, what he actually studied. Right. So he was like, you know, I want you to go and, and do what you, what you want to do. If it works out great. So, you know, this, this was like five, six years ago. And, you know, they're just happy that I'm, I'm able to, to do what I do and, and make a living doing, which is, is good. That's so, and obviously the, with the restaurant, we have someone else in the family who kind of stepped in. My dad's older. He's like ready to retire. So, uh, so but yeah, they're happy, man. Yeah, no, no, not right now. <laughs> it's a full man restaurant industry. Is, it's full time every day, you know, 16, 18 hour days, like, you know, especially on weekends because they have it's a restaurant and then catering hall and stuff too. So, have you seen the similarities? Yeah, oh, for sure, man. I, yeah. The restaurant industry and the music industry probably have some similarities, I bet. Yeah, I mean, look, for me, yeah, of course. I mean, do I have time? time off during the week more than you know in the restaurant side yeah but yeah uh, but yeah but yeah they're happy to answer your question for yeah, sure that's good yeah. that's awesome so 2006 things become real pretty quickly you keep producing mm. fast forward till the 2010s 2011s 2012s things really start happening for you you start getting some big label releases we go all the way towards right now and we're going to go back in time here i want to i want to figure out how the sonic identity has been built and yeah you've released on i mean it must be incredible for you to think about all these things now but protocol spinning big beat Doran, arcade armada hexagon musical freedom the list goes on and on but when i first discovered you actually was 2014 ill behavior and i was super into electro still am and it's really interesting to me because when I listen to that song now and I listen to where you're at, like some of your recent releases, honey, we've got the pace there a little bit. And it's really cool. Mm. I went through all of your music over the past couple of weeks and it's just very interesting. And the reason I want to discuss this track first is not only because it's an effing banger. Do you still drop it, by the way, at all? It'll be heavier. No, I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah. I went deep on your YouTube though, and you were sharing some songs when Steve Angelo was playing it. And I was like, hell yeah, this is so sick. Like, I mean, th- some of those early days, not that you weren't already doing really well in 2013, 2014, but were you like, holy shit, Steve Angelo's dropping this shit at festivals? Oh, yeah. I mean, that record, yeah, that was definitely, I think, the first one. Well, before that was Don Diablo and I did Got Me Thinking. Right. And we signed that to Size X, right. which was Steve Angelo's like more like left label that he had set up, like more mm-hmm. housey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Don and I did that record. He was in New York. I was like, let's do something like disclosure, but kind of with buildups. Mm-hmm. And both kind of a, a light kind of went off. And this was literally right before Future House was a thing. Yeah. Um, Let's check this out real quick. This one's called Got Me Thinking by Sid and Don Diablo off Size X Records. And they got me thinking. 
So we did that record. Steve signed it. And off the back of that, that record, Steve followed me. Tiesto followed me. Oh. Cascade did an edit of, of Got Me Thinking with Last Chance that he was playing in all the redo shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so that opened up that door for me. Then Ill Behavior was literally um, me being like, again, huge fan of Steve Angelo and Swedish House Mafia. And mm-hmm. what I think sonically I was playing at the time was was more in that style. So, All right, y'all got to hear this real quick before he talks about the track. This one's called Ill Behavior with Madness on Size Records. Madness was I did a little behavior with is one yeah. of my best friends and I was spending a lot of time in Miami, um, and he, sorry, he, uh, we were both hanging out and with like a group of people and someone had like a little speaker and started playing the original of Renegade Master. And we're, me and him looked at each other like, no one's done this in a while. Yeah. So <laughs> literally, you know, we we did it and. Uh, and I was able to get it to Steve and he was it, the f- couple records. We, I did that one. I did uh, She Wants to Do. And both times, I think I don't even think I sent him any other records. Like those are the ones that's like, I want these on size. Like, let's see. And mm-hmm. he always did the same thing. He'd answer either it was email or on DM and he'd be like, uh, I forget what he would say. Oh, I like it. And I'd be like, well, OK, like, do you want to sign it? And then it would be silence. So like, and in both, it worked out both times. Yeah. Where for ill behavior, I'd sent it. I'd always try to get a record like right before Miami Music Week because that, mm-hmm. you know, historically it's like that's when music breaks. Of course. So I remember like maybe we sent it, you know, or maybe even I don't know whatever it was like around that time. And yeah, uh, yeah then we got down there and he was playing it everywhere. And I think he played. Because what's crazy is, um, and I'm friends with them, but coincidentally, Sultan and that Shepherd had done the same sample. And I remember we were both, like, all of us were at, this was, like, no one really knew who I was at this point, you know? Like, I had some friends in Miami who knew who I was and, yep. and whatever, but they did, like, size, they did a big Size Matters show that year, mm-hmm. um, like, almost like a mini festival. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. hanging out, and I, Steve started playing Ill Behavior. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> and then Ultra was the same week, a couple of that weekend. Um, and again, you know, being in Miami so much, I got like a backstage pass. And uh, he like let us up on stage when he, when he was playing. And he literally fucking played it at Ultra. And I was just like, holy shit. Right. And they timed it with like fireworks. No joke. Like Pyro <laughs> went off to our track. And I was just like, is this, this is insane. Uh but yeah, that definitely like I think, you know, as far as me not not relying on a collab or, you know, someone else's who's bigger than me necessarily. Right. 
Right. Um, that was the moment I was like, oh shit, this is cool. Like they're playing it because it's good music. You know, it's, yeah. there's no other factor in there. And yeah, it just the same. Then the next year was She Wants to D, which is kind of similar experience. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I owe a lot to Steve. You know, he, definitely early on, he was the one who helped me like incredibly. So it's awesome. I, I really do think that song was a, a true foundation of that sound in the 2013-2014 era when like the hard rock sofa type artists yeah um the tracks that alesso and steve angelo and all the swedish guys would be dropping and i just remember seeing your name and immediately being like i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out who the fuck this is yeah and it's funny you say that i I think that era i kind of you know again like yes i've had a couple variations of what i've done i think in that time it's it was it was very quick to realize because of the sounds the sonics and the patterns there was that sound was so like narrow creatively right oh totally so that's why for me it was like i think got me thinking was a record that i was like wow people really paid attention to this it's different and no one else is really doing it and that Mm -hmm. was the record that i guess i went back to and was like i want to do more like this yeah. Um, and that's what she wants to do. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, that was the path. I was like, I think this is what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what I have fun playing. So I, yeah. I love that Carlos. And it's, it's funny you say that. Cause I was going to say the 2015 to 2016 area, you kind of, I would say evolved, maybe not in terms of mm-hmm. sound of quality, but creatively into this G house house, more danceable rather than jumpable. Yeah. And I think yeah. also you were ahead of your time in that fact too, with tracks like She Wants to Be, No Together was a great track from you too. Um, and of course, Us and Sweet Memories, your amazing collabs with Cascade. I guess to add on to that, was your process changing in the studio during this time or what was your inspiration during this period? Um, I think I went through like a putting, I don't know, like I, it's happened a couple of times where I feel like I'm putting too much pressure on on myself yeah and like for me it was just like when i hit those points just being like just want to make fucking shit that i have fun making you know yeah. and that's what it was yeah. like she wants to do i did in a day and it was just one of those <laughs> ones like that just messing around a friend of mine joked like i had the vocal chop in there my friend's like sounds like she's saying she wants the d and i was like that's stupid <laughs> and looking back at poor probably would get canceled just for calling yeah calling the record she wants to be as far i remember my manager i was like i want to do condoms in miami like do a whole thing she's like we're not doing any of that. I was like, okay okay you're right you're right so yeah uh but you know it was just it was again it was just like kind of fucking around and, and having fun no it was the same it was just like i did this cool beat i was like you know, my head just that vocal popped in um and it just worked um and that's just, I think those are the records that I had the most, you know, fun making. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Same thing have, with Sweet Memories. Yeah. And yeah. Us, us, surprisingly, you know, it's one of those records that everyone's like, oh, yeah, you, you kill that production with that cascade vocal. And I was like, actually, I brought the vocal. He did the production. Let's listen together as we enjoy this incredible collaboration. This is Cascade and Sid, Us. You. And they don't need to know about you, about 
you know, surprisingly, it was the it was the opposite. Um, I had gotten just a rough idea of the chords and stuff, and I I sent it to uh, Julian Anton, who wrote "Runaway" for Galantis, um, and they wrote that vocal. And I was like, I think this is gonna be Cascade's gonna like this, and that's that's how that happened. And you know, and he put it on the automatic uh, album that he did, and then it took me on tour, which was crazy for me. So cool. And we we need to take a second though to realize from your first track with Mark Schulzer, you said 2006. This is now 10 years after that, right? Yeah, just about. Yeah, yeah. So for any yeah. producers and anybody in the music industry, and you kind of just said it. It is so important to love what you're doing, regardless of what you define as success or what other people define as success, because yeah. you're obviously someone who loved music. You were living at home, like DJing on the weekends, just trying to make music 10 years go by before even you see a level that you're like, OK, Steve mm -hmm. Angel's playing my tracks really after I need to get back into this. So yeah, I, I yep. just wanted to say, like, <clears throat> I know a lot of people out there, you hit it first two three years you're excited about what you're doing little wins little wins and then you plateau but plateauing isn't going down you're still staying and you just got to keep mm. going yeah yeah and i think look in the last i made a conscious choice i guess in the last like four three four years to kind of take my sound you know i was still putting out a couple bigger records but i you know this isn't just something that i've decided in like the last year or so to kind of take my sound more underground and clubby um yeah. and i definitely noticed the dip you know launching night service only you know some of these records i'm sure if i put them on a bigger record might have gotten more attention but it's i'm not growing anything and i think especially this year it's been crazy to see like you know the people paying attention and and think you know i'm talking about night service only and artists sending me records want to sign to it so you know again even you're plateauing or you feel like you're going down. If you yeah. just, you have to mentally be reassuring yourself that I'm doing the right thing and it's takes time, but it's gonna, it's gonna work. That's it. Absolutely. I love that, man. That's pure advice. And like just doing this podcast for me is, is so fulfilling. I know not just you and I are going to be listening to this interview, but even if only you and I had this conversation, like I could sit on my mm -hmm. rocking chair and be like, I had a great conversation with Sid that one day about pursuing your goals and, and loving what you do every day. And that's what it's all about to me. And it hasn't happened overnight realizing that, but yeah. I know exactly what you mean, my man. Love it. So 2017, 2018, though, you really continue to elevate and diversify your sound. You really get emotional and inspiring some tracks like Secrets with Conrad Sewell. Great track. Believer with CeeLo Green, which, I mean, how amazing was that working with him? Let's listen in on this track before we get the full story. This is Believer featuring CeeLo Green by Sid.
Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, that vocal I had been sitting on for, that was probably the original version and the production I had done. I'd been sitting on for a while. Um, and it was, you know, I'd never met CeeLo. It was actually just, <laughs> you know, at the time I was in a deal with Big Beat and, and yeah. CeeLo was one of their big artists. And they sent me the, just the vocal with some different, production was completely different, very like 80s vibe. And I just did my thing with it and, and it, you know, they, they like flipped out over that record. So it was cool to just be and see what, you know, it's funny about that song. It's like, literally, they still play it in Walgreens. It's on like a location. <laughs> I had a friend over the weekend, like text me. He's like, I'm in like Walgreens in, let me see what he said. Some like middle, I don't want to say middle of America, but let me see. Toledo, Ohio. St. Louis. He's like, St. Louis. Walgreens in St. Louis, and Believer is playing right now. Wow. I was like, wow, that's that's it. That's funny. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. You know, look, I I definitely have a very musical side. Obviously, you know, you mentioned ten years went by, but in reality, I was doing a lot of production for other people in that time, mm -hmm. doing very melodic and progressive things. That, you know. So it's, I enjoy doing both. Um, and yeah, it's just like different sides of my brain. I think someone asked me the other day, like, what, what do you focus on when you're making music? I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's, a, be, whatever it is, it has to just be a record that's going to stand out. It could be a club record. It's just like, I'm going to make it, try to make sure that that record, if someone's playing it with 10 other records, it's going to be the record that like people remember. So whether it's, something more musical in that sense or not that that's always my goal so. yeah something that really brings it out of you the emotional aspect that makes you remember it yeah it's a funny thing when we experience that but yeah and you created these tracks but you still release a lot of big tracks like you mentioned earlier heaters like creep in and honestly an underrated track take your place i mean the sound design on that track is fucking nuts dude that is like an immediate add to the usb type track for me and you know, DJ to DJ, that's like the highest form of compliment that we can give each other. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm, that was probably the first collab I did where I felt like the other person was doing more. You know what I'm saying? Vinny yeah. is insane. This kid, um, he's nasty, man. This genius producer. And he'd sent me, maybe it was like the vocal with in the break and then the drop like literally the drop pretty much there and i was just like this, this is crazy send me stems i finished <laughs> it um and sent it to tiesto and he was like yeah it's I, the only reason I, I was like this has to be a tiesto record because it was almost like a houseier version of like that era of like the big electro shit that tiesto totally. was putting out you know what i'm saying like, surprise the crowd for sure yeah i love that track everybody's I, I feel like i again it's it's underrated from you so i want people to know that but you also had your your grammy nom remix nomination for lsd's audio which is another staple in my sets and i mean at this point you've really really certified yourself as a hit maker and had some serious momentum you mentioned earlier you put some pressure on yourself to continue making that were you really feeling like i'm, I'm hitting a high point i've got to continue to reach new levels was that difficult for you at all no um i think i think it's very um what's the word? 
So I guess it's it's very hard to try to release, try to make something thinking it's going to be a crossover hit, right? So yeah, I think, yeah. you know, with remixes, there's not as much pressure. You know, if a remix does well, great. Like, you're attached to a bigger artist name, you know. Like, right. Um, obviously, you know, the LSD was Diplo C and Labyrinth. Yeah. It, which is special. And like the Halsey remix I did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, like, seeing where... I've always made more club driven stuff as well. Like this, the Cardi B remix I did, it was, yeah. wasn't official. But I, at the time, like no, it wasn't a lot of people doing kind of like bigger sounding techie stuff, I think. Um, yeah. And that was yeah. another one. I was like, this is kind of way more fun for me to do. Like, and that's it, dude. I just want to have fun and uh, just be doing this for the rest of my life. Like I don't, I'm not trying to chase to make a hit like i think mm-hmm. you can get lost trying to think that way so easily because if you yeah. if you're going that route and it's not a hit it's not successful you know it starts to look pretty bad if you do that five or six times you know yeah. that that that's been my mentality like i just want to you know play cooler stuff and make cooler stuff that's it literally yeah very yeah. very mature thinking i mean and i'm sure we've seen many people that the one hit wonders that's been around mm-hmm. since the beginning of yeah. when music has been publicized and you mm-hmm. can make a living off it and mm-hmm. i think it's so important like you said a lot of times people too when you make music and i think this comes up almost every time the track that you don't even expect to do well sometimes does the best always like, always i made yeah. this like yeah. it's insane i just interviewed somebody yeah. who i had a track blow up on Tommy Sunshine's label, Brooklyn Fire, her name was Bexie, got 5 million plays just uh, a few weeks ago. And she's like, I made that in my bed under the covers with my dog. I didn't think anybody was going to like it. I guess they did. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's so true. Like the ones where you don't think about it, you're like, whatever. Like, let's see what happens. And then other ones are like, okay, we got we to gotta have a plan, a marketing yeah. plan. Like, we're going to do all this shit. And then it, nothing happened. Like, yeah, you can't predict it. Like, at the end of the day, no one, no one knows what's going to work or not. But, you know, it's just some, it, uh, the stars align in this perfect pattern, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, you know, you, one person playing it. And I mean, look at the chain smokers, man. Like, you know, they were at this point where I think they were lost. Definitely. And then I don't, I'm not going to speak for them, but I, it seemed like, Bieber posted a video of Roses and, you know, there was some traction behind the record, but everything changed from that moment. So, everything. you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you'd never know. It's, it's crazy. We could say it time and time again. It's all about having fun. And you, when you yeah. said that, it kind of made me think I have gotten more into golf. I think that happens with getting older. Uh, maybe I'm not as physically able as I used to be, but I have a friend who says, you need to think like a kid when you putt. You're thinking too uh, much. You're thinking too much. Uh, just have fun with it. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Like, just stop getting so in my own head. And it kind of sounds to me like it's a similar mindset for a producer. It's just like, don't put the pressure on yourself. Yeah, dude, I I, I played Elro this weekend. 30 minutes before I left, I bounced a track that I was like, thought it was cool. And I was like, I'm going to bounce it. Maybe I'll play it. <laughs> and I first bounce, like I first time bouncing it. Yeah. And it was the biggest reaction in my set. And I was like, this is, this is okay. Like it was just one of those. It was crazy. Yeah. But again, same thing. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of being a DJ and a producer at the same time. You know, you can play that big record, play your work in progress right after. But if it keeps up, then you're on to something, you know? Yeah. If you got a yeah. crazy reaction and you're really on to something. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. Now, you weren't able to do that, though. And like anybody else for just up until a few months ago, 2020 was yeah. tough and it's 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 terrible everything that's happened man and it's still going on honestly and and mm -hmm. my thoughts and condolences go out to anybody who's been affected by the pandemic and it's too bad for you i mean 2019 2020 sid mode engage bro like you get the grammy for the lizzo truth hurts remix hold up one sec let's check out this amazing remix this is lizzo truth hurts in the sid remix night service only and you drop an insane for the floor ep your your collab with loud luxury comes out and then shortly after right like march i think that came out in february or even beginning of march and then the pandemic hit mm. yeah crazy times crazy times yeah. what what was going on really for you i know when we talked before you moved into a place in brooklyn you got a dog wait i got your dog's name here quincy you got a dog things yep. slowed down for you. you weren't bouncing tracks out and walking over to the brooklyn mirage yeah, I mean, I think definitely, yeah, obviously, we, you know, we got this house. I moved the studio into the house. That was like yeah. the start of it. I yeah. set up the studio. I was like, this is temporary. I, you know, <laughs> so I like half set it up. Yeah. Um, and I played a lot of video games for, you know, which is crazy. Obviously, just Call of Duty was just Warzone was that one game that <laughs> friends of mine who I hadn't even spoken to and in a long ass time, everyone was playing it. So it was almost like a way to socialize with my friends that I don't get a chance to, to really yeah. talk to or, or even see, or definitely I didn't see this year. So yeah. um, played a lot of video games, wasn't very creative uh, at all. I just, I think I lacked that. Like I have a bad habit of always waiting till the last minute with stuff. Like I'll make tons of ideas, yeah. but I won't finish them. And you know, it's not until I feel that pressure of like, oh, shit, I need to get this done because shows are going to come back. I have no new music or, or something. So, you know, I'd say the first six months I was just like not doing. I did a couple of remixes, but nothing not really focused um, on it. And I think in retrospect, a lot of, you know, much bigger artists than me kind of did the same thing. But 
yeah. it allowed younger artists to kind of come out. Um, I didn't slow down on the label though. You know, I was literally releasing oh. every two weeks, you know, something new on the label. And you know, who the who the fuck wants to put out club records in the middle of a <laughs> when there's no clubs open, you know, but yeah. whatever. I was giving, you know, newer artists a platform, uh, you know, and we put out a lot of great music and it's crazy to see some of these artists that I was releasing kind of moving on to, to bigger things. And yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, that was definitely the first half. And then I think, I don't know when I probably like fall of last year was like, all right, things might open up. Things might not, we need to start getting into gear, like, you know, kind of figuring out what's going to happen. Uh, and then it just kind of went from there. You know, there was some stuff that we had been sitting on from the year before, like jumping, with with West End was a record that we I didn't even remember until we were putting it out. Like you got this cool video playing it at sound. I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, all right, like let's use that. Yeah. Glad we got a video with like a crowd playing and playing new music. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just kind of you know slowly got back into it. And I think once shows started coming out, I just became like just super creative. And I think seeing the way things they were already shifting but like even more so it's crazy i mean i think in florida especially florida never really closed you know in a lot of places and i think uh True. because of that you know this whole new scene of like fresh out of college kids that are into house and and techno and stuff like just really kind of revamped that whole sound for next generation which is really crazy and awesome yeah. to see so you know i think that was inspiring too it's like okay like this is what people want yeah like this yeah like so it's been cool would you, you know, say that house music is the new edm um popular i don't know I if you can i i don't i hope it doesn't get generalized like that i think I there's just so yeah. many sub genres of house that i hope it doesn't i think there is like a bro house <laughs> uh i want to call it bro house genre of like tech house uh yeah. happening um but yeah i don't know i just think look i'm like anything i mean i got introduced to dance music listening to like trance and then you yeah. kind of develop your taste i think it's more a case of that for like people being like oh yeah you know avici and afrojack where the people were in Tiesto, obviously, right. and, and David Guetta were the reasons why I got into electronic music. And then I discovered all these other genres of music. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's the next EDM. I'd say it's just a much more fun genre of music to listen to and to party to, you know, that's what dance I think. To, to dance to. Yeah, exactly. And dance to, exactly. I, I had a great conversation about this with, somebody you know uh king arthur who now goes by king topher um yep. who's very well known and i kind of asked him you know in the, in the house music world before it's really gotten let's just say more mainstream commercial type stuff i mean like somebody like john summit out of chicago it's incredible to see how popular he's become during the pandemic yeah. basically yeah and again yeah i mean he was smart you know he, yeah he had a big uh kind of crossover record during this time and yep. then fuck you know was able to really follow it up you know and then keep that consistency through this whole year so big ups to him i mean exactly it's amazing to see yeah 
Yeah. And I feel like really before people like him popped over the past year, it's like a house and techno, especially, you know, I've, I've been to movement in Detroit. They're, they're elitist there. Right. Like I remember one time Diplo played there when I went and honestly played one of the best sets that I saw the entire weekend, but we were like furious. How can Diplo be allowed to play at movement? Like you have to play sets with no words here type thing. And you just mentioned somebody like David Guetta, who has an alter ego, Jack back. Alesso was dropping tech house tracks, Tiesto. I mean, it's amazing. And I think that it's a good thing. You look at the rise of Chris, Chris Lake and Fisher, they're the highest yeah. build acts in the world right now. I mean, they were just at the Brooklyn Mirage. They're selling it out. I think it's a good thing because it gives people, like you said, the, the young college kids that are awesome, talented producers. We mentioned there's no barrier to entry for young people these days. Yeah. Getting your tracks played by these big DJs is a great way for you to get exposure, great way for you to take the next steps. And that's kind of my, my take on it. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Yeah. I mean, look what you've done with night service only, man. Like it's a sip, it's under spinning records, right? It was, it uh, was. They, they were okay. doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a deal with them for them to administer and handle, uh, distribution, um, help with like administration stuff, but now I'm fully independent. I'm actually relaunching, uh, finalizing my deal, but I'm going to do fully independent. Um, and Probably next month be relaunching and I got, uh, yeah, some crazy stuff coming on it. So amazing. That's congratulations. I mean, it's, it's Thanks. been so cool. There's so many labels out there right now. And I know you got love for hood politics and DJ Susan, and I know, you know, Greco and Rossum, yeah. and I've had all these guys on the podcast and Cloverdale who has his own label vibrancy. And mm. what's been so cool to see is, and like you said, there's not one box for house music right now, man. Like yeah. creativity is at another freaking level. I mean, yeah, agreed. Yeah. It's nuts. What what do you look for in in a demo when people send you something for night service only? Because I feel like you're not boxed in with the stuff you release. Sure, it's house, but yeah, it's one size. I just all. it needs to be something I'm gonna play in my sets. Like mm -hmm. for first and foremost. Like uh -huh. if I'm if you send me something I'm thinking about it, I and it's I'm not excited to play it, then it's that's this telltale number one sign. I'm like, this isn't for me. So okay, I think that's okay. it. That's really it. Like, you know, I just want to curate <laughs> stuff that's cool that I want to play. Like, there's nothing else involved. Like, you can have a great sample, but if the production's not right, like I don't want it. So, you know, I don't care who you are. You know, that that's the thing. You're bigger, small, doesn't matter. Like, I really don't care like i'm i want the records to be as successful as possible but i'm not there trying to like make this a business and you know uh make a ton of money on on this i want to curate cool music mm -hmm. and be able to do stuff like i did in brooklyn you know where i yeah. throw, throw a party and have some of these guys come out and and have them play um which we're going to be doing a lot more of in the future so it's awesome yeah that's it for me that's what i want to do that's good i like that Wow. Why is the reason you, you started it recently? Had you had this goal in mind for a while? With the label? Yeah. What was the, or, what was the main reason for starting? Yeah. It? I mean, the concept was, was probably there at least a year before. Okay. Um, and then, you know, we launched the radio show. I launched the radio show. Right. And even that was like kind of just, again, it's something I wanted to do eventually. And it just worked out. You know, my management's like, let's hit up. You know, we have a great relationship with, uh, with Sirius XM mm -hmm. like Sid wants to do a, 
a radio show. And they're like, let's do it. And I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. let's launch this. Um, originally, it was going to be like, let's do the label first yeah. and then launch the radio show. But, you know, again, it took probably way too long to negotiate uh, the, the label, um, like admin stuff. So the I mean, that's the music out, industry. You know? Yeah. And I think for me, it's like you're, you know, I think when I started, I started kind of with the branding side of it first. There were not a lot of people had their own label. And then all of a sudden it was just like, poof, like everyone, you know, really had their own record label. Um, so yeah, it was just one of those things. Like I wasn't, I, I it's never feels like the right time. And I think for me, it was like, at the time it was like, I think kind of spinning, wanting to do this with me, um, at the time, I was like, yeah, this this makes it worth it. You know, they'll be able to handle a lot of this stuff. I'll handle the creative signing, everything, right, right. and stuff like that. And now, you know, I'm at a point where I think the creative, the freedom of having a direct distribution deal is going to be better for me and for, for the artists that I'm signing to. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a six out of, yeah. It's amazing. Super, super cool, man. Like, I love what you've been doing with it. And it is a very bright spark in the house music world. I'm telling you, I know you probably know, but everybody's fucking talking about night service only, dude. I swear to God. <laughs> awesome. Everybody's awesome. talking about it. Awesome. Any release that comes out, woo, I can tell you're putting in your sets. I'm put, Every track goes in the USB again, dude, immediately for me too. That's kind of how I think about awesome. the music yeah. that I download. It's like, can this go in this set? Can this go in this set? Yes. So... Yeah, for me, dude, it was, again, it's like, you don't know what the reception is going to be. I think what's been super cool, it's like, you know, like you said, I think kind of more underground genres can be a little snobbish, but it, I think we're in this, we're going to this point where that's going away, you know, and there's, 100%. there's artists that I would be like, I wouldn't dare ask this X, Y, and Z artist <laughs> if they want to send me demos for night service only, but like some, I'm getting hit up by people. I'm like, you put out on all these really fucking records that i want to release on like you know that's what's been super cool it's like it's it's seeing that side of it like just people that i wouldn't be like oh they're they're, they're too cool to put out on mm-hmm. on this label but it's not you know it's and i think yeah dude i you know i'm just trying to build something to help other people and like eventually throw parties and you know yeah. give younger artists an opportunity to go dj and 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 stuff I want to do a crazy U.S. tour one day, like, mm. you know, um, and uh, my liver doesn't, though. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, yeah, I need those. I need those uh, hangover pills. I got you. But, yeah, got man. You. Yeah. That's it's a family. It. You, you've got this family aspect to it. And I think that's something that's really mm. come to light um, with the label and just in, in recent things. I mean, the, the pandemic for me personally taught me like to be happy with who I am and really see people like for who they are too. Mm. And these labels are so much more than just releasing a track and tagging the person. And Mm. I see that so much with night service only, man. Like that's what I'm saying. People are talking about it. And one thing I've noticed too, social media and the internet, like back in the day, I used to write papers based on what Wikipedia said. And then we found out Wikipedia is not entirely the truth. And then all of a sudden, this all the Facebook scandals go down. What you're seeing on the internet is not completely true. We can't trust what you see on TV. And now people mm. only trust what they hear word of mouth and what people yeah. talk about, what their friends talk about, what they text each other, tracks that they share, tracks that they put on their USB, music that we mm. send to each other. 
that's what's really resonating with people right now. And I think it's so cool to see in cities like Chicago, New York, LA, or really all over the world, that there are these family scenes where labels are growing. Mm. And I see that so much with your label, man. So congratulations on all your success with it. It's, it's super Thank special. You. Thank you. Right, we can hook something up in Chicago. You just let me know. I can't promise no shots, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Hopefully, we'll do. We'll do. Uh, I'm doing a big pool party, but like the first official night service only party. But it's a day party, so night service day edition. <laughs> um, but it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be in the end of next month. We should be announcing it soon. I have a really really cool lineup, and I'm pumped to that. So. And you know it's you know it's cool. It's crazy to just even on the promoter side, people are like let's do a night service only party. You know, wow. it's like, not like a yeah, sit like, party, right? It's like let's do a yeah, label yeah. party. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. Everything's moving in the right direction, which is cool. Congratulations to you, man. Speaking of speaking of live shows, you've been back on tour. You're busy as shit. By the time this episode comes out, you would have already played Lollapalooza. Congratulations on that. That's one of the most well-known festivals really in the world. It's the biggest festival in Chicago. Amazing. Thank you. I, I predict I will play the worst set I've ever played. No, I'm just kidding. No, oh, look at opening close with ill behavior for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I'm pumped. I, I mean, Lola Palooza is definitely one of those like bucket list festivals, you know. I don't get nervous too much. I definitely got nervous uh the first big EDC Vegas one. I think I was, I forgot, campgrounds or kinetic. Um, I have a feeling I'll be nervous for this one. So, but, uh, you know, and again, I'm just probably going to just play a ton of new stuff. So I hope people liked it if you're watching this after. Yes, they um, will. And yeah. you're going to my hometown of Indianapolis. You're playing a little underground spot actually called the Patron Saint. People, yeah, the second it time. Yeah. Oh, you've yeah. been there before? Yeah. Yeah. The owners oh, okay, are okay. super cool, man. They're, they're Mine, I'm so bad with my, my mind is blanking, but yeah, the guys who run it, they're also DJs. They've been around Slater since Hogan. the 90s. Slater yes, Hogan. yes. Uh, I had a blast. That room is so awesome. Like the crowd is is was great. Mm -hmm. I was great in there, and yeah, it was super fun. So I'm glad to finally be able to go back. I think I played probably fall 2019 or around then. I think I can't oh, remember yeah. the last. Time. Not so, that you need help yeah. promoting, but I got a lot of. Uh, fans in indianapolis so i wanted to oh cool for the people awesome. yeah Sick. it's awesome man and you're playing edc later this year too uh yeah yeah man same uh uh kinetic i think you're back or, we're back yeah, baby yeah. We're back. yeah man it's crazy i mean i was originally supposed to play the first time uh and then they were like okay you're gonna play the next time when they rescheduled <laughs> and you know i you never know if you know they're gonna take you off that roster, or whatever. But you know, luckily I was, I'm still on there, so I'm, I'm pumped. It's gonna be gonna be sick for sure. Hell yeah! You got any music that you can tell us about that's coming up? I know you just released an awesome track, Honey, with Volkader on Musical Freedom, mm -hmm. dude. Woof! I'm playing North Coast in Chicago, this big festival here, and I I think that's gonna have to go in my set, bro. For <laughs> sure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Volkader's sick. Like I've been following him for, I mean for. The last like two years i guess mm -hmm. uh he did a big record on on fisher's cats and release and then he put out all these like vocal driven like techie things this past year i was like these yeah. are all awesome um mm -hmm. and i asked him to remix no so we did an official remix package in january and i had tcts vocoder and this russian uh 
BYOR that yeah. I really, I've, that's, he's done some stuff on night service only. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, I mean, just, I've been just a fan of old coder and it was just one of those things. Like he had this idea and I was like, yep, this is sick. Send me the stems and I worked on it, finished it. And, and yeah, we're kind of crazy to see the reaction so far. I think Fisher played it. The only reason I know is because someone sent me like a forwarded me a story. It was only on Fisher's girlfriend's page or wife. Uh, sorry. Chloe. Um, yeah. I'd never, I never met her. So it's probably creepy that I went to her story, but <laughs> someone was like, Oh, and she posted it on her story. I guess whoever told me follows her. Uh, but uh, you don't even know it's Fisher playing because there were just some character was in the crowd. It was a, a post on, posted on my, I think I posted on my, uh, my feed or, as a real, but uh-huh. some kid just like going nuts dancing. Oh yes, at Marquee, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, Marquee Vegas. Yeah. So Dude. I was like, well, Fisher's playing it. That's cool. Um, Not bad. And yeah, it's, it's been cool. Like, yeah, it's the reaction. It's been an awesome one to play my sets. Like, I think I played it uh, the weekend before it came out in um, Portland. Mm-hmm. Portland was probably the craziest. <laughs> Proud reaction I've ever seen. Oh, Portland? Like, yeah, Portland, man. Portland went off to like everything. It was it was amazing. Uh so wow. yeah, dude. You know, I got that coming out. Next month I have uh another solo toko release. Yes. Um Shout out for the I have yeah. Um I have a solo release on Repopulate Mars coming. It's like a Lee Foss has been playing it. Uh, he's tagged me a couple of times. This is like cool Latin-y sample that I that I had done a while back. It's good to see and you releasing a, on really good like house labels like that, man. Like it's it's awesome. Yeah, and then I got a, a collab with Black V Neck coming on Club Sweat that I'm super pumped about. Woo! Yeah, and then just and then I'm obviously also relaunching Night Service Only. Um, I'm still aiming at end of August, so we'll see. Um, and my goal is I want to relaunch it. I've been sitting on a record that's like ready to go. And then I have a DJ Susan and Gallo record I've that uh, they've been hold. They've been very patient with me. Dude, uh, but that's going to be the, the first one right right after. It's, again, just like a club weapon. Uh, that track gave me but, straight chills. I went out to San Diego for their boat party. Oh, you yeah. went? Oh, shit. Yeah. Dude, I got to send you the video that I did. I was a sideline commentator lost my voice at this fucking party dude it was absolutely insane i mean they're like kings in san diego they're the tech house yeah 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 no their whole vibe like that's just that's they're doing it right man the whole hood politics crew is just you know amazing they help each other out like they're doing it right it's it's awesome to see it yeah no that i'm bringing dj susan out actually to chicago in two weeks I think I'm oh, got, cool. him booked, got him booked for seven sets in three days. So we're going to see Wow, <laughs> all over Chicago. Wow. We're doing, um, we're doing a headline show Friday night in Wicker park. I got him booked at flash. Actually, where you playing two to 4. AM set. I, he, he doesn't sleep. Uh, I'm not sure if it's his ADD, but I'm going to, we're going to find out. He was like, I'm you staying know what, here. Dude. <laughs> yeah. He's Never. just one of those person. Like he's got such an infectious personality. Whew. I, He's gonna come here play seven gigs. We'll probably have fourteen <laughs> booked by the time he leaves. He's, he's just like, I I really really strongly like we talk to each other and we like, he's like, oh like just such a positive dude. Like we DM DM each other. I'm like, 
he's like, oh, like, come on, let's, let's do something together. Like, let me go on tour. I was like, dude, you're going to, I'm going to be opening for you in like <laughs> no time, dude. It's just one of those people, like, yeah, you know, the music is super cool. And, and just him as a human is, is like so fun, you know? Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. He's I a good dude. More. He's going to, he's going to, yeah. he's going to love to hear that. I sent him actually like a screenshot of like you accepting like the interview and he calls me right away. He goes, let's fucking go. And then hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. And when he, when he's coming, he was like, I was like, do you need a hotel? He was like, I'm sleeping on your couch. Right. I was like, I guess. Okay. Oh, your girlfriend's going to love that. <laughs> she doesn't live. She doesn't, has her own apartment, but she met. Okay. DJ oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Cause I'm interviewed him like right in the beginning of the pandemic. And then we ended up just like becoming friends, of course. And then I started doing these live interviews for hood politics releases on Instagram with him, became really good friends with him and, and everybody else in the team nutty and more than friends. And yeah. it's just, uh, it's given me a new perspective, like on just the friends that you can make in the industry, man. I think a lot of yeah. people make the music industry to be this big, bad, terrible major label place, but the fact of the matter is there's so many loving people that are coexisting below the mm -hmm. tip of the glacier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever the, yeah. whatever you think of the top tip of the glacier, but yeah. it can be fun. It can be amazing. Yeah. Not everybody's out to stab you in the back. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It's, it's just, the, it's, and of course we've all had our bad experiences. I'm sure you have too, no matter how little or how big, but yeah, I know I, I started by with the interview by saying like, I've never seen more collaboration and love and um, really just amongst the music community as a whole, not just DJs, not just producers, but yeah. fans yeah. are open-minded. Yeah, exactly. Look, I've seen, I've been around a while. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think yeah. like the prime example of the good is Cascade. Like yeah. this guy yeah. just, you know, always was fair in every single way. Like, splits it's like whatever you want dude like whatever you think this splits are like oh like even sweet memories it was like okay i did a, a good portion of this idea i think it would help me a lot if i put my name first it's like whatever dude like it's let's do that i'm like oh, okay you know and and even when i went on tour with him like you know um the i'm always very aware and respectful of who's playing after me i know these aren't my fucking shows like there's a year to see cascade and I, with the first show I went to him before, I was like, listen, like, you want to go over, you know, what I can and can't play? Like, let me know. And he's like, Carlos, like, do whatever you got to do to make sure that these people remember you. Do not worry about anything else. Wow. And, you know, and I was like, okay. And I'm still respectful. I'm not going to play, like, crazy <laughs> bangers. But, like, you, some other artists and a lot, to be honest, a lot of them, like, they will have a giant list of do not play yep. shit, you know? And I think some of that should go without saying, you know, don't play this stuff. But, you know, you just just the way that that guy carried himself, I think, kind of instilled a lot of stuff in me of like how I want to be to, to other people, too. Because then I've, I've also been burned on the other side yeah. in, in different things. And um, but, yeah, like, it's just great to see these like community of people helping each other and like those guys in San Diego partnering and doing stuff in in florida and you know those guys the florida guys coming to new york and yep. and you know and like the school is you know they're popping up all over that house that collective you know yeah. just doing crazy crazy stuff in in florida and, um, mm -hmm. 
it's really awesome to see, you know, they're not relying on promote, like these big time promoters to maybe give them a shot. They're like Dude. making it happen for themselves, which is, it's really awesome. Couldn't agree more that. And that's what I'm trying to do here in Chicago. Yeah. We're, we're opening up like the Chicago hood politics chapter and we're booking oh, people cool. to put on the label. And we yeah. I talked to DJ Susan about it. He was like, don't even announce the lineup. People want to come for the love. And I'm like, God damn it. That's so true. Like, <laughs> if you build yeah. it, they will come. Sid. like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's simple. And it, sometimes yeah. because it's as, as a producer, as a DJ, as a creative, it's really hard to believe in yourself all the way. Cause you're your, you're mm. your biggest critic. But the fact mm. of the matter is, and this is what DJ Susan. The fact of the matter is DJ Susan <laughs> believes in us. It's that's all up, that matters. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you ever have any doubt, just you could you just hit him on DM. He will re reaffirm it. He responds to everybody. He he might just say you're a legend, and then that's it. That's all but you need. That's, that's all you need. All that's all you need. But he in reality, he's the real legend. Big up DJ Susan. Big Let's up DJ up. Susan. Big big up to oh, Sid no, though, bro. No, you're, you're the fucking man. Like I'm even a bigger fan now. No surprises. Oh, thanks, man. Absolutely, bro. Um, what do you I, got up there? What's on your above your right shoulder? Is that a cup? No, yeah, on the on the. Oh, it's a cup. Oh, it look. I okay. It looked like a bucket, just because the angle. Never mind. Okay, that, you've been drinking that cup the whole time. Okay. I'm drinking beer out What's of a bucket. That's how we do it in Chicago, man. I got a bucket <laughs> of hazy IPA right here. Right here. <laughs> it was like the we. I guess the edge of the of the screen. It looks oh, like it does. You're right. It do, it looks like yeah, like goes around. It looks like huge. That. Yeah. Would you be surprised? Okay, so no. <laughs> what if I just like all of a sudden like yeah? So so tell me about when you first started producing. <laughs> That'd be a anyway. little too Milwaukee. <laughs> wow, that was too big. Was too... <clears throat> uh, Go you're be hung over now. Where's Go. it? Where are the pills, dude? I'm. <laughs> soon as this is over yeah one beer <laughs> let this be a lesson for anybody out there 29 and up the hangovers get worse and worse <laughs> oh yeah that's a fact my god my man once again thank you so much for taking the time massive fan you've got a dedicated fan base here in chicago and uh it means so much to talk to you and have you on the show brother for real thanks for having me man that was fun well we're Absolutely. gonna hang this week well we're gonna hang last week we're gonna After hang last people. week. Yes. Wow. You technically, <laughs> technically, when other people watch this, we haven't. We've yes. already have hung out. Yes. So we're gonna hang out. You so by the time people in. are next time anyone sees this, we'll have had a, a, a weekend in Lollapalooza. Yes. And I hope we're still uh, we're, we're recovered by the time. This, this Maybe week. I'll say. Anyway, I, I might be able to spare you one of these hangover cares. Okay. Let me see what I can do. I'll I'll, I'll talk to the missus. <laughs> okay. If not, you're gonna you message me the name of this stuff. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look it up. Sure. I'm happy. I'm happy to help out another fellow drinker that needs, needs a lending <laughs> hand. <laughs> oh man! Oh, yeah, All right, brother. dude. You have a good night. Thank have you. a good week. Travel you to Chicago too. safe, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, later.